0: Hey, before we begin today, two special announcements. Number one, go Phillies. All right. So uh, now all of you who cheered and clapped, I fully expect amens and hallelujahs throughout the sermon now. Uh, All right, so you can actually speak out in church and nothing will happen to you, so now you know. Secondly, uh, we are a church that really emphasizes mercy through generosity, and this church has been significantly generous since the beginning of the fiscal year in July. So all of our deacon funds have essentially been wiped out. Um, so we're not really like, we'll, we'll keep being generous and we'll trust the Lord for that, but we asked that next week we're going to take a special offering for the deacon fund. We asked that you would come and prepare to be really generous at that time so that we can continue to help people in our area with the needs that they have and in our church as well. But with that all in mind, transitioning, we're, we're in our series called The Elements of Renewal, where we're looking at the things that God's people had been emphasizing throughout history when they experienced profound sense of His presence. And we want those things for ourselves today. And so today, what I want to talk about is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know for some of you, when we talk about the Holy Spirit or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you squirm in your seats just a little bit. Because you don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit, right? Like, we, I've said this before, but the Holy Spirit for many of us feels like the estranged uncle of the family. That like, of course you invite him to the family picnic, but you secretly hope he doesn't show up. Because every time he does, things get weird. Right? So we treat the Holy Spirit the same way. Like, yeah, all right, like father, son, we're cool with those guys. Holy Spirit, let's just kind of keep him at arm's length. Because when he shows up to the family party every Sunday morning, things get weird. Or you may not squirm, you might just check out at this point because you think like in your heads, you're like, look, I believe in the Holy Spirit, but I just don't see how the Holy Spirit is needed for my day-to-day life. Like I don't really see a need for Him. I pray to God, the Father, I pray to Jesus, I rely on them, but the Holy Spirit, like He's somehow in the mix, but I don't really see it day-to-day. But we want to see the Holy Spirit the way Jesus saw the Holy Spirit, right? Right? And Jesus sees the Holy Spirit as a gift to us in what we just read. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit being a gift, that the Holy Spirit has been given to us at his request from the Father. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is a gift to followers of Jesus. He's a person. He's someone we can know, Jesus says, and he's going to dwell with us and in us to empower us for godliness, in holiness and service. So what I want to talk to us about today is that the gift, I'm going to talk to you about the gift of the Holy Spirit's indwelling, that we need to actually see it as a gift. And then I really want to talk about how the Holy Spirit's indwelling empowers us, But empowers us for holiness and empowers us for service. So let's look at the gift of the Holy Spirit's indwelling. Look, jump to verse 16 for a moment. We'll read 16 through 17. And Jesus says this, I will ask the Father, and he will, what? Give you the Holy Spirit. Give you another helper, he says, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit's indwelling is a gift. So when Jesus, right before Jesus dies, before he's crucified, we have this section of his teaching from John 14 to 17. These are the last teachings of Jesus before he's crucified. And so Jesus just comes off of telling his disciples that he's going to leave them. That's what he had just told them. I'm headed out. And by that he means after his death and resurrection, he's going to ascend and be with the Father. But they don't seem to understand that yet. And so they're a little bit worried and they're probably a little bit scared, but then Jesus comforts them. How? He says, I've been your helper up to this point, but when I leave, I'm going to ask the Father to send you another helper, the Holy Spirit. He says, you already know him. He's the Spirit of truth, and he will be with you forever, and he will dwell with you, and he will dwell in you. So the Holy Spirit's indwelling is a gift from God at the request of Jesus. He's such a great gift that Jesus can later say in chapter 16 that it's actually better for his disciples when Jesus leaves. Can you imagine that? Like Jesus says, like, I'm with you right now, but it's actually gonna be better when I leave because we're gonna God's gonna send the Father's gonna send the Holy Spirit to you. And the Holy Spirit's going to dwell within you. So have you ever thought about following Jesus? Maybe you've thought, you said, like, look, it would be so much easier to follow Jesus, so much better to follow Jesus if Jesus was with me. But Jesus says, it's actually better for you that I'm not. So you can experience the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Jesus says, it's better that I'm not with you. See, Jesus, God the Son, when he was on earth, could only be in one place at a time. But if God the Holy Spirit dwells in every follower of Jesus, whenever we plant churches, whenever we evangelize, whenever we go to the grocery store, the power of God goes with us. So the Holy Spirit goes with us, so we have constant access to his power. So think about this. If the President of the United States shows up to your house, and he's going to come to your house, and he's going to spend time, and he's going to dwell in your house, when he dwells in your house, you receive power. Because now you have access to him in a profound way that you did not before. In a different way. So instead of, like, complaining about him online, you can actually talk to him about his policies. Instead of celebrating him online, you can actually talk about what he's doing, and thank him for what he's doing. So in and of yourself, you don't have any power, but when the president comes into your home because he's dwelling with you, you now have power you didn't have before. So like young people, students, you guys get this. If a popular kid comes during lunchtime and sits at your table, you're all of a sudden in a different position. All of a sudden now you have access to popularity like you didn't have before, but now you do. See, you and I don't have any power in and of ourselves because Jesus says that the world cannot cannot receive the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is given to you and dwells within you, you have access to the power of the third person of the Godhead. It's not your power. It's not anything that you've done, but it's been given to you. And because the Holy Spirit dwells in you, just like if the president dwelled in your house, you have access to power in a way that you didn't before. So if you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, so you have access to power for godliness. And godliness is simply devotion to God. You have access to that power to be devoted to God day in and day out practically because God, the Holy Spirit, gives you the power to do it. So the Spirit's indwelling empowers us for godliness, but first and foremost, it empowers us for godliness in holiness. So look back at verse 15. What does Jesus say? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. In verse 17, he calls the Spirit the Spirit of truth. Later in chapter 14 Jesus says this in verse 26, "But the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you." The Holy Spirit's indwelling empowers us to be godly by making us holy. So one of the main purposes you, of you and me receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling is to help us remember what Jesus has taught us. To remind you of, hey, Jesus said this. Do this so you can be holy. Well, holy means to be set apart, to be different from the world, a special relationship with God. Look, this is what it means to be holy and be holy by obeying Jesus, So the logic goes something like this, Jesus says. The Son of God, Jesus, loves those who put their faith in Him. And because He loves us, He asks the Father to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And because the Father loves the Son, He grants the Son's request. And we then respond to the Son's love by obeying what he commands us to do. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We respond to that love, and the Holy Spirit indwells inside of us in order to help us move toward holiness. So what the Holy Spirit does is remind us of what Jesus taught us. And he convicts us the ways in which we're rebelling or resisting against God and what Jesus has asked us to do. And that's what we call Sin. And he helps us turn from our sinful ways and pursue godliness, being a holy people who are set apart and different from the world. Because according to the Bible, we're all born with a sinful nature. You're born with it. People aren't born good. We're born sinners. So when left to ourselves, what we'll do in our free will is we'll always choose to resist We'll rebel against God. We'll always choose to do that because our sinful nature drives us to do this. But God sent his son Jesus to die for us to free us from our sinful nature, the Bible says. So we're empowered to walk in the Spirit in holiness. And then the Bible says this, that you should see evidence of the Holy Spirit's indwelling or fruit of the Spirit's indwelling in your day-to-day life. So Paul says in Galatians five twenty two to 23, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, that's the evidence of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. What's the easiest way to identify an apple tree? See the apples on the tree, right? It's the same thing easiest way to identify if the Holy Spirit's indwelling in someone is to see what fruit is coming out of their lives. So it doesn't matter if an orange tree says, I'm an apple tree. If you see oranges, it's not. If the Holy Spirit's indwelling in us, we should be able to see some of this coming out. The easiest way to see if the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside of you is by looking at your life. So if you say you love Jesus, you should be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. It takes time. It absolutely takes time, but you should see improvement. We talked about that when we talked about sanctification. You should start seeing improvement. And what's on the outside will eventually match what's on the inside. See, if your heart is legalistic, that will come out in how you treat others, won't it? I'm better than them. I'm more holy than them. I'm more moral than them. Well, I, like, I don't drink, smoke, or chew or run with girls that do, so therefore, but you do. Or if your heart's jealous of other people's stuff, eventually that's going to come out. And one way that might come out is you rack up credit card debt to keep perception that you're just like everybody else. Or if your heart's angry, you'll troll people or vent your frustrations online. It comes out. See, what's on the outside eventually matches what's on the inside. But if your heart's full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside of you, you should start to see yourself growing in the fruit of the Spirit. So you might not be pa- very patient now, but you should be more patient 10 years from now. It takes time. Trust me, I'm not a very patient person. Thank God my story's not done yet. If, that God's still writing my story. That hopefully I'll be more patient tomorrow. And 10 years from now, after making a ton of mistakes and being very impatient, I'll be slightly more patient than I am now. So you might not be super gentle now, but you'll find yourself raising your voice at your kids less and less. You might not have much joy right now, but you'll find yourself being anchored in joy the next time you go through suffering in a way that you weren't before. See, God has put His Spirit inside of you. You'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit for godliness in holiness. You'll be empowered to obey God, and you'll even find yourself wanting to obey God. And the evidence of what's going on, on the inside will eventually come out on the outside. We should be able to see it. The Spirit indwelling not only empowers us in god- for godliness in holiness, but also in service. So right before Jesus leaves his disciples and descends into heaven, Jesus leaves them with this. Look at Acts 1.8. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be, what, my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, if you don't have, like, first-century Palestine geography down, what well, Jesus is saying, like, your city or, like, your, your town, the larger area... And then the world. That's what Jesus is saying. So the other way the Holy Spirit's indwelling empowers us is to be god to to be godly is by changing our hearts about service. See, what many of us do is we serve, but we put limits on our service. Well, I served my neighbor on the right side of my house. So I don't need I can check out now, I don't need to serve the person on the left side of my house. Like, I invited this neighbor to church, but I don't, you know, I did that. That's, I'm done. I put limits on that. I don't really need to share it with this person over here. Or like, I serve on the greeting team once a month. I don't need to serve any more than that. See, if you're living empowered by the Holy Spirit's indwelling, you won't limit your service. You'll let the Holy Spirit limit your service. You see the difference? See, you'll serve until the Holy Spirit says, hey, slow down, back up. You, you won't start setting limits before you hear from Him. Some of us set the limits first, and then we say, hey, Holy Spirit, why don't you just work with the little bit that I'm giving you? And the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, I can do that, but I'm asking you to go beyond that. Could you do that for me? Just serve a little bit more. I'll tell you when to slow down. And some of you know that, right? Like some of you have been in places where churches have abused that or you've run yourself ragged and you haven't listened to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit said, hey, hey, pull back, slow down. But wait for the Holy Spirit to say that. Because notice, Jesus doesn't say, hey, once you've done your street evangelism in Jerusalem, you can clock out. Once, hey, once the Holy Spirit falls on you and you're all up in that room and there's little, like, tongues of fire over your head and Peter goes out and he preaches this great sermon and people become followers of Jesus and people get baptized, good, guys, clock out. No, he says, together, go get the whole world. He says, but some of you are going to stay in Jerusalem, and that's okay. Okay? But serve Jerusalem. Like Peter pretty much stays in Jerusalem. James pretty much stays in Jerusalem. Peter does a little bit more traveling, but James kind of stays. Jesus' brother stays in kind of the Jerusalem area. Some of them go, some of you are going to go to Africa, Jesus says. And he says, like, and by the way, I'm going to bring this guy named Saul who's going to try to kill all of you and I'm going to change his name to Paul, and he's going to keep going all around Asia Minor and all around to the Gentiles. But see, God put the limits on their service. They were just open to it. They said, God, I'll serve you. If you want me to stay in Jerusalem, I'll stay here, but my plan is to go to the whole world unless you tell me not to. I'm going to go to Africa, God. I'm going to go to the Gentiles, God. And Paul says this, like, God sent me to the Gentiles. Paul knows that the Holy Spirit put the limits on his service to the Gentiles. As we serve our world by telling people about Jesus, what happens is we become empowered by the Holy Spirit then with Holy Spirit-empowered abilities, which we call spiritual gifts, to serve each other. So 1 Corinthians 14.12 says this, So with yourselves... Since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So what happens is our hearts are changed by the Holy Spirit towards service. So we go from limiting our service ourselves to waiting on Him to tell us when to limit it. We wait for the Holy Spirit to say, hey, step back, pull back. But we just go straight to service because that's what we're called to do. And then we're given gifts by the Holy Spirit to empower us to excel in building up the church. Like, What an amazing gift the Holy Spirit is. Imagine trying to live the Christian life without him. Imagine trying to be holy without being empowered to do so. Imagine trying to serve without being empowered to do so. See, the Holy Spirit is a gift given to us to empower us to be godly, but many of us are settling for good. Many of us are settling for good when we should be aiming for godly. See, we're currently doing some renovations at my house. We're turning an office into a bedroom for my father-in-law so he can move out of the dungeon or the basement upstairs with with the real people. So we think he's a real person. I just want to clarify. Casey's listening. Dad, we love you. We're going to have them move upstairs so our kids then can also go downstairs and play and watch TV. We don't have to worry about them messing up things that people see. And Amanda and I have a TV we bought 15 years ago when we first got married, and it still works. It's heavy. Don't get me wrong. It's heavy. TVs, man, they have gotten really light even since 15 years ago. But it works. So we're getting the basement ready for the kids to go down there. And I wanted to take stock of everything we had. So I wanted to see if the TV still works. So I found our old TV, and, but I couldn't find the power cord. And without the power cord, the TV's what? It's useless. <laughs> no matter how old or how new your TV is, if you can't find the power cord, it's worthless. It's just going to collect dust. See, we have the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we can be unplugged from His power. And so we're no different from the world, and we're just collecting dust. When we do that, we're settling for good rather than being eager for what's godly. See, the world has plenty of good men, plenty, plenty of good men. Our church has plenty of good men, but it needs godly men. It needs men who are running after holiness by leading their biological families and by leading their church family in prayer and devotion, taking the commands of Scripture seriously. Our church needs men who are serving God first, their wives and families second, and putting all their wants and needs on the back burner for them. It needs men who are willing to step up and use their gifts to serve the church. This is the plug for the men's retreat. That's why we do men's retreats, because we're aiming for godliness There's plenty of good men. We want godly men at this church. And we want you to want that too. Young people, there are plenty of good students. There's plenty. But it needs godly students who've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to run after holiness, who obey God over their friends, despite what it cost them, and who serve their schools by using their gifts to spread the love of Jesus. The the world has plenty of good students. It needs godly students. The world has plenty of good moms, plenty, but it needs godly moms who've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to show joy, peace, patience, kindness to their children who put their kids' needs in front of their own needs and in front of their kids' wants. Good moms give their kids what they want. Godly moms give their kids what they need a loving family, getting them to church, praying for them? See, liberty, we're full of good members, but are we full of godly members? Are we empowered by the Holy Spirit for holiness? Do our lives, are they marked by repentance? Do we schedule our lives around Sunday worship and home meeting, or do we schedule Sunday worship and home meeting around our lives? Plenty of good people schedule their Sundays around their lives. Plenty of good people do that. Godly people say, let's get Sundays on the calendar first, homings on the calendar first, then we'll plan out our lives. Are we full of people who don't put limitations on serving and wait for the Holy Spirit to tell us to slow down and hold up? Do we use our gifts in places like Liberty Kids or on the greeting team or on the praise team? Even if it means, oh my goodness, inconveniencing ourselves by getting here early. Like, yes, if you join the praise team, you have to be here early on Sunday. That's a requirement. Good people will do that. Godly people will say, let's go. Sunday morning, let me grab my coffee and go praise Jesus, let's do it. Or even if that means that we have to miss part of the worship service, or maybe all of it, to serve. If we're taking stock of our church, are we a church of full of good people, or are we a church full of godly people? Don't settle for good. Run after godly. Be connected to the Holy Spirit, run after holiness, seek to serve others. But we settle for good because it's easier to achieve. To be a good person, all I have to do is compare myself to others. I just need to find somebody who's just slightly worse than me. And I'm a good person. I need to find somebody who attends Sunday service less than me or who's just a little bit angrier than I am online. Or who doesn't spend as much time with their kids as I spend with my kids. And we do that because we desire this sense of accomplishment, which isn't necessarily wrong, but really it's about making me feel good. But if I can find somebody worse, I can always find somebody better, can't I? There's always somebody better. And so what happens is that sense of accomplishment disappears. So I'm not really that good of a person. I'm actually just kind of average at that point. And if God were to judge me based on other people, would I even make the cut? Like who's his standard? Who's his standard? The person slightly worse to you than you? Or Mother Teresa? Like who? Well, we know his standard. His standard is Jesus, and he was perfect. So you're not even close. I'm not even close. Any sense of accomplishment I had is out the window because I can't compete with that. But what God did for me and for you in his love is that he sent Jesus not just to be a good person, but to be a perfectly godly person who pursued holiness, who served others to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then what God does for all of us who put our faith and trust in Jesus is he imputes, is the, that's the theological term, he imputes, he gives us Jesus' godliness, and Jesus takes our sinfulness, and so when God looks at me and determines if I meet the standard of godliness he's looking for, the answer is yes, because Jesus received my sin, and I've been given his godliness. And I've been given the Holy Spirit to empower me to respond to Jesus' love now, to obey his commandments in holiness, and also to serve others. So godliness and holiness and service are no longer something I have to do. When I understand what Jesus has done for me, it's not something that I have to do. It's something I'm eager to do, like I want to do. Because I'm powered by the Holy Spirit, I'm eager for the things of God when we actually are realizing that, we're tapping into that, we're plugged into the Holy Spirit, we go, I am eager for the things of God. I have a friend who's eager every morning to wake up and read his Bible and pray. He says, I look forward to it. And I can be honest, confession, I don't. I do because I know it's good for me. But see, godly students, men and women are eager for good news. They live for it and they live out of it. Godly students, men, and women are eager for the spirit of God, and so they resist the spirit of our day. And godly students, men, and women are eager for intimacy with God, are eager to wake up and read your Bible and pray because you want intimacy with God. They don't just want an average relationship with God. They want a deep one. So here's my challenge to you. Take stock of your life. Are you settling for good when you should be aiming for godly? Have you been given the Holy Spirit to empower you and you say, I've hit good, I'm done. Clock out. When you should be aiming for godly. Are you settling for a good marriage or a godly marriage? Are you settling for a good romantic relationship or a godly romantic relationship? Are you settling for a good relationship with God or a godly relationship with God? Or being a good church member or a godly church member? A good mom or a godly mom? A good student or a godly student? A good employee or a godly employee? Which one are you aiming for? Are you eager for the Holy Spirit to make you godly? And here's what you'll be tempted to do, because I'm tempted myself to do this. You'll be tempted to think you can accomplish godliness on your own. You'll think, I'll just add more time of prayer in Scripture. That will make me godly. Or I just need to make sure I get to church more often than once a month. That will make me godly. And those are all important things. But you can't be godly without the gift of the Holy Spirit's empowering dwelling inside of you. You cross over from being good to godly when instead of being open to godliness or thinking that it's a good idea to becoming eager for it. That's when you start to cross over. That's when you start to see the Holy Spirit really active in your life. So there's a difference between like drinking water because it's there and you think it's a good idea to drink water to like drinking water because you know you'll die without it. Which is our attitude towards the Holy Spirit and to godliness. It's good that the Holy Spirit's here Thankful for him, but like or I will die if I don't if I'm not tapped into the Holy Spirit. If I'm not running after godliness. Godliness means we're eager for holiness. We're eager to serve. It's one thing one thing to serve because you've been plugged in the planning center. That's good. You'll know you've hit godliness when you're eager for your team lead to plug you in the planning center. I can't wait to serve next. And then you'll text your team leader going, hey, when can I serve? How can I help you? How can I be praying for you? That's when you know you crossed over. You're good because you got your planning center email and you go, oh, gosh, I guess i have to be there early this Sunday. But I'll do it anyway because that's what good people do. Godly people go, all right, let's get in the game. Let's do it. So Jesus asked the Father to give the Holy Spirit to us. So we should continue to ask, though. You need to pray. You absolutely need to pray and ask for that. If there's a fruit of the Spirit you need for holiness, ask for it. God, I need more patience. Holy Spirit, I need more joy. I need more gentleness, Holy Spirit. Amen to that one, anybody? Me? All right, just me. Cool. I need more gentleness, Holy Spirit. Give it to me, please. Or if there's a gift of the Spirit you need for service to serve others, ask for it. Just because you don't have that gift now doesn't mean that you'll never have that gift. If you need to be more kind and gentle, right? you ask for it. Same thing with gifts. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, to earnestly desire the supernatural gifts. Why would he tell us to earnestly desire something if our spiritual gifts are already locked in? It's up to the Holy Spirit to give it to us, but we need to ask for it. Ask. There's nothing wrong with asking. It's actually good. You're encouraged to ask for it. So let's do that now. Let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to give us what we need for godliness. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to not have us settle for good, but have us aim for godly, run after godly. Let's ask for the Holy Spirit to help us be holy, to empower us for that. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us better serve each other in our world. And let's do it together. Because if you're like me, I'm aiming for good. I'm not aiming for godly. And I'm tapping into my own strength. I'm not tapping into the Holy Spirit. And we need that. We absolutely need that.